0: everyone uh dave here thanks for joining us for another episode of legends of the spire i'm here in a rather overcast leeds park to introduce our latest episode uh, which is amazingly the 25th ex-chesterfield player i've spoken to now uh, 26 if you include bob wilson uh, and his appearances for chesterfield boys uh, i never really thought it would go this far but it has and it's been great fun um, so i will carry on doing it and find more players to talk to uh, on the podcast today is one of the most requested players uh, I've had since the beginning uh, is Dave Waller. Uh, now Dave was with us in the late 80s, early 90s, scored an absolute hat full of goals for us before injury cruelly cut short his football league career. Uh, he's now still a big Chesterfield fan uh, and does a lot of the banqueting VIP stuff at the club as well. So a big common face around the town and around the club still. Uh, it was great to speak to him about his goal scoring feats and uh, especially that goal against Halifax which is um, very commonly remembered uh, by the fans and i can just watch it over and over and over again as you can probably tell by the amount of times i've put it in the podcast um, as always we're at spy legends on twitter and legends of the Spire on facebook so do get in touch uh, we're also at Legends at Outlook.com if you do have any questions or suggestions too um, so here we are with another episode of legends of the spire with the amazing dave waller so much for, uh, for coming on. It's great to speak to you. You've been uh, you've, you've described by someone today as proper spy-right royalty.
1: <laughs> so how does that feel? Oh, well, I think, I think being a footballer just gives you certain, certain benefits and certain favours. Even when you've been finished for 25, 30 years, it's very uh, it's strange. But the fans, the fans seem to love footballers, so in a, in, a, in, a, in a good way as well. Because the, the older you get, the better you get. I think. <laughs>
0: but people remember. People remember the good bits and, and maybe not the not so good bits. Yes,
1: I think so. Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> definitely. Well, so if we start like when you were a kid. So you were born in Ermston. I'm not very good geog- geography. Yeah, um, at well, master. I was born in Ermston,
1: but that was I lived in Stratford, Manchester. But it's just okay. up the road from Old Trafford.
0: So, so were they your team then?
1: So they were, yes. Yeah. Man United, Man United sport. My dad took me when I was about five. And then I kept going ever since. And I, when I was at Crew, we played a lot of Friday night games, so it gave me a good chance to go much on a Saturday as well. Yeah. Which was a bit of a benefit.
0: So, <laughs> so who were your idols then growing up?
1: Oh, Frank Stapleton, Jerry Daly. And I was lucky enough to play with Jerry Dale as well when he when he came along to Strood. We were playing, so yeah, that was good. But you, yeah, the like, most teams at the time they had some great players.
0: What's what's that like when you get to play with someone that you've kind of idolised on a pitch? How quickly do you get over it?
1: Uh, yeah, fairly quick. I didn't get over the snookers. He was fantastic at snooker. Jerry <laughs> Dale was. He, I think he had a misspent youth. But um, no, it was his just awareness and his. Touch control was absolutely fantastic. Hmm. And it was it, it was good as well because he would speak to you and you'd learn off him. So it was it was quite good.
0: Yeah. And um, and where were you where, what position were
1: you then? Kind of were you always up front? when I was a kid, I played midfield, centre midfield. Although I had a week's trial at York City and for some reason I said it was centre half. <laughs> <laughs> So when I went there for a week and uh, I played centre half, but I played centre half with uh, Big Jim Moulton. who also used to play for Man United. Hmm. So yeah, that was very that was a very strange experience. Because I was fourteen. It's it's funny, isn't
0: it, how how those kind of trials happen sometimes. You had a few players on that were like, oh yeah, I got chucked in at you know right back or something when that wasn't really their natural position. It's yeah. kind of sink or swim, I suppose, isn't it, in times like that.
1: Yeah, it is. I think when you're at school, though, you, I think if you're good, you want to be in the middle of the park so you get the ball a lot. But we played in the middle of the park a lot, even when I was at school, but I scored a lot of goals, so that's why I thought I ended up being set up and
0: Yeah. And then, and then yeah, so, so then you ended up at Crewe, didn't you? So was
1: it 82, you signed professional, I think, something like professional? Yes, 82. I went to Crewe in 80. I, uh, I was playing at um, Preston Youth at the time. I was working on a farm and I was travelling up there and playing on a Saturday because obviously I'd passed my test so I could Mm drive. But my sister played for Crew Ladies and her manager was the trainer at Crew Reserves. And she was talking to me about him and he just said, Well, he can come and train with us twice a week and then he can play for them on a Saturday. But I played, I trained Tuesdays and Thursdays and he said to me, Are you liking? I said, Well, I am. I said, But he said, Do you not want to stay? I said, Well, I think I might as well sign for you than sign for Preston because I can train you and play with you. Mm. And then it, it just took off from there, really. Yeah, and were there any, were
0: there, um, any ambitions to do anything else apart from football? Or, or was that always
1: kind of the thing you wanted to pursue? No, that was always the thing I wanted to pursue. Careers officer, when you're doing your, what you want to do, when you said, I want to be a professional footballer. He just says, "All oh, right, you and three million other kids, he says. But uh, I was one of the, obviously, three million lucky ones. Yeah, as they yeah. say and how, how quickly did
0: you break through at Crewe and kind of start scoring goals
1: uh, when I first when I, I played I think four or five games with the reserves and the two the managers in the reserves kept going on to Albin Griffiths who was the manager at Crewe at the time and I played my first game in um, March 1980 against Bournemouth a draft 0-0 game but Crewe were in the bottom four and Bournemouth were i say mid-table, I think. But it made me were with a bloke called Wyn Davies. He was a big Welsh player. He played for Wales and he also played for a lot of good teams. And also Ian Callaghan, who had won the European Cup of Liverpool. They were both in the team. Uh, but then, stupidly, that was on the Saturday. On the Sunday, I was messing around with mates and fell down the kerb and nearly broke my ankle. And I didn't realise I should have gone into the club to see the physio. And was—he put me down a sub again on the Monday nights play Wigan, and obviously I had to tell him that I couldn't play. So I, he bombed me after that. I didn't get back a chance then until the following October, the following season.
0: It's a real ruthless business, isn't it? Sometimes.
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. Because I played—I was on a long contract, and I would played probably four or five games under Arvin Griffiths, and he comes to me on the Monday, says I'm going to the board tonight. He said, I'm going to get you a contract. So I thought, oh, great. And then I'm sat in the bedroom and oh, we'd have in. company. He says, have you heard the news? He says, what's that?" He says, your manager's just resigned. <laughs> <laughs> so then you have to start all over again then with the next manager who came in. Yeah. And, and those kind
0: of big, big kind of legendary players that you're playing with, when you're, when you're really young, are you, were, were they really good kind of uh, uh, vehicles for advice and, and things like that in the changing room and around the training ground and stuff?
1: Uh, Not in the early days because Krug struggled very much, they always had to apply for re election. So the players there really are trying to look after themselves and just really try and win games. But, um, and the other thing was, the first I got in the team in the 81, and with the end of the year, because Peter Morris came in. All them players, bar Bob Scott, the captain, and me, everyone else had gone. There was a new set of players in, and then he left at the end of the season, and Dario Gradi came in, and there was only there was only three of us left. He cleared everybody else out, other than the captain, me, and another player. So it was very very hard to get like communicating and getting friendly with different players because they were just coming and going very very quickly.
0: Mm. And I suppose you end up
1: going from being the young pro to being one of the longest
0: serving players, don't you? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's how, that's how quick it seemed to be. It was very, uh, it, was, it was just strange because you're always thinking, are, are you going to get the, like the, the, the knife really? Because he, he was very cutthroat in them days, going through players left, right and centre. But um, obviously, I when I got in the team, I didn't score for Tech, I scored on me, when I came back in the October against Robson, I scored. We, scored, we scored, we drew 1-1. But then I went 10 games without I scoring a goal. But then from New Year's Day to the end of the season, I ended up with 17. So it ended up being quite a good back end of the season. And that was, uh, mainly, I think that was mainly down to the manager, Peter Morrison, a bloke called Sammy Chapman, his, his assistant. He worked on us every afternoon. That's what we did. We, we, like footballers, you get, when you get older, you get more time off. But in them days, we were starting at nine and we were finishing at six because they didn't they didn't worry about it because they were only going up the road in an hotel so they were just making sure that you got all the basics right you, you worked hard and you got better and better and i definitely got better and better
0: is that just repetition on the training ground then just finishing yes and, yeah definitely and over and
1: over and over again it worked a lot on me touch a lot you, if you ever put your heels on the floor you have to do 20 press-ups so you, you'd be on your toes all the time and after, after you've been doing that for a couple of hours you, it was very hard to stay on your toes let me tell you <laughs>
0: You, I'm just thinking, if, if that was me, how much energy I'd actually have when a game came around?
1: Where'd you find the extra energy when you've been training that much? Yeah, yeah. Well, we used to go easy on a Friday. We didn't do much on a Friday. And and you scored
0: a lot of a lot of goals at Crew, didn't you? So you were there from eighty, so until about eighty six,
1: were you there? And it was yeah. Like... I had I had four seasons in the team, full seasons. I had that one game in one season at the boots of near the, the end. And I ended up with 68 goals, yeah. I was the leading leading scorer every year. Just, well, I won't take this I, I, I got 17, then I got two 16s after season, after season. Then I ended up the season I left. Ended up with 18, which was my best season. But then I, then I moved on. Mm,
0: yeah. And, um, and and describe us as a, as a player for us, in terms of, of what you were like and what you liked to do on the pitch and what your strengths were.
1: Uh, I think the older I got... I was always good at coming to collect the ball. But I, I, I was good at like, people who say you, you could ghost in around the back and no one ever seen you and you'd be your goals that way. Because I always thought you might have gone there eight times out of ten, but the two times you didn't go, the ball went there. So you had to go ten out of ten, and out of them ten times, you'd probably get two chances. And then you obviously had to stick them away. But you just, you, I think a lot of center always get the knack, that They know where the ball is going to go before the centre half knows where the ball is going to go, and you only need half a touch and bump these in the back of the net. So I was, I thought I was, yeah, I was good at holding the ball up, bringing other people into play. So it was, uh, yeah, very enjoyable. Do you find when,
0: like, like you're saying, you know, you have to do something 10 times exactly the same sometimes to get a goal from it in those early days when you're finding your feet as a striker, is it really? Is the temptation always there to try and change what you're doing when, when you're not getting things straight away? I suppose with experience comes the fact that you know people will slip up eventually if you keep doing the same thing, don't you?
1: Oh, yeah, because when I was when I was at Crewe, we had a back four, a two massive muscly centre-halves, and two quick, fast right-backs, and we, all week we could do tack against defence. We never scored. And it, it was worse than a Saturday game because they would kick lumps out of you i about start back forward we'd kick one out all week and then obviously on a Saturday you were protected a bit more by the ref so it was a little bit easier playing on a Saturday than it was training <laughs> which is yeah it's strange because you I don't know you, obviously you don't want to get injured but the gaffer would just let everything just flow and just keep going because he knew you'd be better on a Saturday than what, what the other team would be
0: yeah did you ever did you ever fight back on, on training with things like that did you ever dare no 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 <laughs>
1: I sent it off Captain called Bob Scott, you didn't mess with Bob. Probably <laughs> not, no.
0: You learned the lesson.
1: Without a shadow of a doubt.
0: <laughs> so then you went to <laughs> Shrewsbury, um, so in 86, aren't we now? And it was 20 grand, I think, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was, um, I was, it was funny because I was away in Tunisia at the time. I was away with another lad from Crew and his wife, and my girlfriend, obviously now my wife. And uh, she rang home and she said, oh, my mum said, Crew have been trying to get you, There's two teams in for you. So when we come back, I went to meet um Chick Bates at Shrewsbury and um, Ray Mathias from Wigan Athletic. Mm-hmm. And if Wigan if Wigan would have got promoted, Derby County had four games left at the end of the season for some strange reason. And Wigan got promoted as such, but the games they won, they knocked Wigan off the top. Well knocked them out of the top four. So I wanted to play higher football, so I was going from crew at the fourth division to Shrewsbury at the second. So I thought I went I opted for Shrewsbury. Yeah.
0: And it's kind of fair to say it didn't kind of go to plan, did it, at Shrewsbury? I think you only played, what was it, about it was, 11 games? It was,
1: uh, I played 13 times. I scored six goals, which is still a good average, but I think the managers, I don't know. It all seemed to go downhill after we played crew, crew away. We played crew away in the cup. And I, uh, I scored the first, and we won 4 1 that night. But then after that, things changed. So whether or not my old manager at crew had said so much of I don't know. But he used to have me in happy afternoon running and this, that, and the other. And it just, it was just ending on a sour note. So I thought the easiest thing to do was just to get out as quick as possible.
0: Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. So then it, I suppose it comes to uh, signing for Chesterfield, doesn't it? So um, what was it? £3,000, something? £3,000 I mean? and two bags of crisps, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Who had the crisps? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder
1: what flavour they were do you not know the flavour do you no no but uh, yeah it was funny I, I went over there on a Thursday night or oh, was it a Wednesday no went, it would have been a Wednesday night because it was deadline day on Thursday something <laughs> like the 23rd of March and I kept thinking should I sign should I not sign should I leave it and come back the following day because I know John Rudge at Port Bear wanted to sign me as well Now if he had said to me don't bother going to test me, just come straight to sign for me tomorrow I'd have done that but he didn't. So I went to see John and Kevin. And I was spent four and a half, five hours in the boardroom. He sent out again took a Fried Chicken down the hill. And I was back at Balworth Saltergate. It. And be about quarter past one, one o'clock in the morning, I signed. And then drove back to Shrewsbury.
0: Yeah. And
1: came back in the on the Monday.
0: Was it was it just the chance to the chance to play? And...
1: Oh yeah,
0: well,
1: yeah, it was. A, motivation, but I came in the March and I had a little niggle on my knee. And John Duncan said, "Look, I'm not bothered about this season. We'll survive. I oh, want well, you ready for next season." Mm-hmm. So I just, I just trained every day, played a lot of tennis, worked on my touch a lot, and uh, and then was ready for the start of the next season.
0: Yeah, but and and you were John
1: Duncan's last signing, were you? I think I was. Yeah, because I. Uh, in the summer, he'll to go hit switch. <laughs> so I never even played for John Duncan. No. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I'm still very friendly. I still see him all around Chesterfield and he always comes to the, he comes to the games quite regularly. Mm-hmm. So I still have a chat with him and everything. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a strange one because me and Kevin, uh, Kevin Randall had a bit of a, I would say, a bust-up. I'd gone down to Bradford Club with Dave Coldwell, as shaggy as his name was. And he was telling um, the owner of the Bradley Club that I was a new signing, but they weren't looking after me, they weren't giving me physio and all this. And I'm thinking, who's this club he's told to do? And the next morning when I got in, Kev was like, oh, trying to rip my leg off, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, look, it has got nothing to do with me, what well, went on, nothing at all. And then obviously when Kev got to be the manager, I'd gone to the plane of the year, I was stood in the toilet with him, and he says to me, uh, bygones, be bygones, we'll start from scratch are you all right? And we shook hands and that was it. We were fine. So, yeah,
0: everything was, worked out well. Was that a bit of a relief? Was there any a point, at any time, was there a point where you thought, well, oh, I might have to move on again? In like, uh, anyway.
1: No, I don't know. Depending on how the start of the season would have gone, really. If he, he wouldn't have been speaking, then it would have been it would have been a difficult thing. But no, no, it was, Kev Vrander was absolutely fantastic with me. No, I didn't have a problem at all.
0: Yeah. And obviously,
1: he was a centre forward, so it was good.
0: Yeah. And then, what what's it like when you've got a manager that plays the same position? I've always wondered this. It, do you always do they kind of look at you in kind of how you measure up to them? Is it easier sometimes to be in a different position to a manager, or is it it easier being?
1: Position, I, I don't know because Chick Bates was uh, a a centre forward as well. Um, probably not as good as Randall, but. I think when you when you start managing teams, I don't think they really worry about the centre forwards. I think they're more concerned about not conceding goals. Mm. I think as long as the goals are going in at the other end, I don't, I don't, they're not, they do not judge themselves or they don't judge us on how they played and how we played. But uh, it was, was just letting it on with it. Yeah. Where, and then when Arch came in, it, it was a bit different because we, we, we worked on more patterns of playing. We, we worked a lot on free kicks and corners where I scored a lot of goals off corners. So, uh, and he was a centre-half. So, yeah, so it's, I think each manager comes in, the more concerned we're making sure they've got a good defence and in the right positions and they're not conceding goals. An own
2: goal by Gary Mills gave Chesterfield the lead. Dave Waller then added a second for Chesterfield. And then the second own goal of the afternoon. Dean Yates put through his own net, completing an unhappy afternoon for him. A booking in the game means he'll now be suspended for two matches. Final score, Chesterfield 3, Notts County
0: 0. I think your debut was against uh, Preston, but your first goal was in the was it the Littlewoods Cup or something like that, I think.
1: I because I'd scored a couple in the friendlies pre We played Man United. I scored two in that game, in the pre-season friendlies. Um, but we played, we played well at Preston. Andy Andy Taylor scored the winner that day. We were the first team to win on their AstroTurf, which was a terrible pitch. As it showed two years later when we got back beat 5-0 by him, because obviously they were used to it by then, but the same, when the Philly first game went up, we were just like them. They, were, they weren't used to it, neither were we. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I think it might... I don't know if it was... I know I scored in one round of the thing, yes, Birmingham City away, but... Can't remember whether we scored... Score because I know Dave Caldwell scored in that game with a he fisted it in at the near post when I crossed it in, <laughs> which didn't go down well with their players, but um, it went down well with ours.
0: Well, one game I did want to mention, as I've spoken to both Lee Rogers and Jamie Hewitt about it, was the ten 0 Yes. Against Gillingham, which is just—I mean, it's very rare anything like that ever
1: happens, isn't it? I had never had so many phone calls on a Sunday morning as that Sunday morning, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, it, was a, it was a strange day because we hadn't conceded a goal. We were top of the league, we hadn't conceded a goal yet. Mm. And um, we went there and Kev Randall says to Licky Rogers, who he put left back, who was the right back, but he says, the right winger's good on his right foot, so bring him in on his left. And if, if he shoot, don't worry about it because he can't hit the bar. No, well, he cut inside and hit it with his left foot right around the top corner, didn't he, from twenty yards? That was the first two minutes. So that didn't go down too good. And then, um, obviously, they'd won the week before as well, eight-one. They'd beat Southampton United. And it just slowly gradually got. I think we hit the bar. I hit the bar once, and someone else hit the bar. We, we could have been. We could have gone in two, three, three, uh, five, two down at time. We could have gone in, but we were five-nil down. But Jim Brown had pulled it hamstring, mm. and he couldn't move. Jim and so I played in goal in a game in a couple of games in Crew's first team when the goalie got injured and Jamie played in goal so one of us had gone in goal we wouldn't have lost 10-0 without a doubt we wouldn't have lost 10-0 because if he went just past his arm Jim couldn't move so it was just anything that they got on target then he just went in Mm. so that was disappointing but uh, yeah we got told we'll never ever mention it again and 12 months of the day virtually came in with a black arm my mum kept ramble <laughs> and uh, he was going to, what's this? What's this for? we've got beat 4 0 at home to Wolves on the Saturday. And we said, well, it was, we weren't very good Saturday, Gaffer. It this She says, no, this is, we got to beat 10 0 12 months ago to the day. <laughs> He's the one who's saying, we don't want to hear any more about it, and he comes on with it. But uh, but yeah, I think the year after, we beat him 1 0 over 1 0 away. So we've we got six points. I know we like with the goal difference, weren't very good, losing 10 0. And it, I think, I think if it had been like now, when you've got Sky and you've got all the your Facebook and all your Twitter and all that, I, mean, I think it would have been it would have been a lot worse. But I think as it was in the day when there weren't much social media about, it just flashed on the telly. But it flashes ten, and then they put ten in writing, don't they, to make, yeah. to make sure they haven't made a mistake? And as soon as you get to seven,
0: maybe seven or eight, they start putting in less. Striking. Yeah, they
1: do. So yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't watching that day.
0: <laughs> and what was it like, kind of just finding your feet in the team? Who were the players that that kind of stood out when you arrived?
1: Um, I don't think we 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 had a like a scraggle of players. Really, we had like Paddy McGinley, he who'd go through a brick wall here from the lad from Sheffield. They playing the same. Uh, Jamie was always there, obviously Jamie performed better than most people during the season because he it was consistent. Um Kev Randall said when I got there, we bought um because they got rid of oh, seven players in the summer. For me first for the first season I was there. So they brought new players in, which was probably good really, because I weren't I weren't quite like, a new player. And he said he signed a big big lad called Andy Morris from Rotherham for a bag of balls. <laughs> But he got it for an operation because he had he'd something wrong with his stomach, so he, he was missing for the first two and a half months. Um so really it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't difficult at all, and plus once you start scoring goals, everything else is just 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 disappears, really. But we had had some some rough, rough, I say rough times. Mick Henderson and um Brian Ferguson didn't like me that great because he said he didn't do enough work coming back. But when you score 22 goals in a season, the next person scores three, where do the goals coming from? And uh, they, it was funny because one day he come down again he says, Ah, he says, the gaffer wants you in his office. So I said, oh, All right. He says, Yeah, you're in for a I'm Quite bollocking. So I said, All right. So I went up to the office. He opened the door. He said, Sit down. He says, You want a cup of tea? He says, I said, Yeah. He said, Just hold on a I've just got to do this. And he shouted at the top of his voice. So he went right down the tunnel, right down to the changing rooms. Get your ass sat down in the chair. I'm sorting you out once and for all. And then he said, Do you want chocolate biscuits for your tea? (laughs) So this went on for about an hour. So I had a good chat. He said, Look, I've got no problems. He said, You're scoring the goals. We're winning the games. He says, Just keep what you're doing and just take no notion of what they're saying to you. Because I I always, my point of view for a centre forward was if your centre off went rampaging through and scored a goal, that's my fault he's my I should be marketing. If he scores from the corner and I'm marketing, that's my fault. But you shouldn't have to follow left and right back constantly, especially when you're home. I know not want to wait for is different. You do you outlaw, you work harder. And uh, but when you're playing at home, the two centre forwards are looking after the two two centre halves. They do not go anywhere and go and put the ball in the back of that simple as that. But some people couldn't couldn't wear that out at all. So it was just one of them things.
0: <laughs> do you think football Do you think football has changed in that regard or not? Because, I mean, strikers still get a lot of flack, don't they, if they don't run around? Oh, they the still, game, but sometimes.
1: They, work, they constantly work. They, what people don't see, especially on the tally you do when you're watching the crowd, they don't show how many runs they're making off the ball trying to get the ball. I would hate, I'm, I know Man City are fantastic, but I'd hate to play for Man City because centre floor never gets the ball. Mm. I know Aguero scored a lot of goals, but... He's doing 20 runs before he's even received the ball or got the ball from anywhere else. And that, I think that's, it's very, uh, it was very difficult. And I think when you watch, I went to European Cup final, Man United Barcelona, that was in the stand, and you watch the Barcelona players, and they are like, they just never stop. And the first goal we scored that night, it must have been 15 passes, and the United players didn't know how the ball was, and Busquets just cleaned through and he's on the scores. And you just think you know, that the movement they've made and the passing is just unbelievable. But you, a lot of fans, when they watch it, they're not looking. They don't watch and see what's happening on the, uh, on the pitch a lot. They want to look at the favourite players. They want to see what's going on over there. But the centre forwards are doing more runs than anybody else on the pitch. And yet they're not always getting the acclaim for it. They only get the acclaim when they put the ball in the net.
0: Yeah. And it's it's funny, really. As as someone that's had a career in football, when you're watching a match, do you find yourself watching things and people off the ball more than things that are on the ball? Sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, when you watch them live, it's you see, it's harder to do on the table. When you're watching them live, like I watched, I watched every home game, and you can stand up at the top. And you can see what's going on. And when the ball's going up front, you can, especially when there's little niggles from the centre half and a defender, but you can't get away with it now because of the tally. So there's, there's not as much off the ball that there used to be. But yeah, it's, it's it's good to watch everything that's going on around you. And especially when they're attacking, you see what your centre forwards are doing. Because you, I think, you, know, you need to get in front of the centre half. And the amount of times to get caught offside, it, it's frustrating as well. Nine times out of ten, because like the ball gets cleared and they're still in offside but it's your flag's up. So that's it, they're offside where get back, get in front of your centre-half and then the ball comes up to you. But, um, yeah, there's a there's a bit... There's a, and you don't think about it, but there's a massive difference in the conference, or that's league now as it's called, to the first and second division, where I don't think there used to be years ago, but I think there is now.
0: Yeah. And which which defenders back in the day did you really hate playing against? There must have been some that had really kind of... Dirty or underhand tactics to try and put you off throughout the games. Were there any that you that you'd come up against? He thought, oh, no.
1: I mean, the ones you'd think like the George Foster's. He was very hard, but he was very fair. He wouldn't kick, he not kick you off the ball. It'd come through you to get the ball, but he wouldn't he wouldn't go kicking you off the ball. Hmm. A lot of the big centers would not do that, but they'd always be. You couldn't get. Sometimes they'd be pulling your shirt, so you couldn't get past them. So you'd you'd stand two yards away from him, so they couldn't get near. But not really, there was a lad called uh slack who played a big role, so I played, in a field. I played with him at Chesterfield, I played him at crew as well. And uh, he was a really good center off, really good center off. And he weren't, he weren't a dirty player either, but yeah, people a lot of times when I mean, they used to kick you. some people did kick you off the ball, but then I got flat once at uh, I think it was Hartlepool off the ball. And uh, when I got up, the skipper got me up, he said, What number was he? I said, Five, Bob, and the next. Corner we had, he was laying on the floor trying to clean out. So the, the your centre would kick you all week, but then they look after you when you play. Mm. So yeah, so I didn't really with the centre halfs. I didn't really have any issues with any of them really.
0: Yeah. And and your first season with uh, Chestfield, first full season, I think it was, was it nineteen goals? I think
1: nineteen league goals and yeah. three cup goals. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so you really and you
1: had a hat trick as well against. Was it Rotherham? Rotherham n- yeah, Rotherham United, yeah. That didn't start well. We were two down. <laughs> two, yeah. two nil down, yeah. I often... Well, I don't often. I've got all the photos, guys, because obviously when you play up front, you've got the bloke behind the goal all the time. He's constantly taking photos. But Alan Rowe used to take our photos years ago. He used to run out of film last five minutes. So if you scored in the last five minutes, you've never seen them photos. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it was... Um, Two 0 down, and I scored. I think probably about 38, 40 minutes, make it two one. And then I scored a freak goals to make it two two. Where the goalie coming out, and I hit it miles in the air, and it had a bit of spin on it. When it bounced, it bounced up and into the top of the roof for the to two two. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, I went around the keeper and made it three two. So that was, uh, that was a very enjoyable game, especially with a win as well. Yeah. How, how many hat tricks did you get in your career? Only got two. I got one against Rotherham and scored one for crew against um Queen's Park Rangers in the milk. Well, the old Rumble's Cup it was then. But we'd lost uh, they, we, they played an artificial pitch as well. Mm. And you couldn't you, you couldn't put the ball on the centre circle, it just rolled off. That's a bit of a, a bit of chewing them just to keep the ball on the circle. And our gaffer says to us, first ten minutes, keep it tight. Well, they kicked off and boom 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 one nil down. <laughs> <laughs> Back in Star, we, we made it one-one, but then we ended up losing eight-one. And then on the return, like at our place, we have beaten 3 0 Well, they had some good players. Mm. Good players. Uh, Roder.
0: Those um, artificial pitches, obviously, it's, it's something Chesterfield have to get used to a bit now, isn't it? Now they're in the league that they are because there's a quite a, there's a few teams, isn't there, in the, in the league that are with artificial pitches. And I'm sure they've, I'm sure they've changed over the years, but it's still. It's still markably different, isn't it, playing on...
1: on oh, yeah, because the only... Like, your center arms and your defenders, if, they, if they've got to win a tackle, you, they've got to slide. Where if you're the centre-forward, the only time you're going to slide is if you're in the six-yard box hmm. to put the ball in the net. But they are better because they, it's like a... What do you call a G4 or a G summit? But and the it is like grass. If you look at Chessfield's picks, most of the... I think 75% is false grass now, especially yeah, in the boxes. Doesn't it, yeah. Which is, but yeah, it's because the, I think now it's softer underneath. Where after you played on the artificial pitch, for Sunday, Monday, you struggled to move. Your hips, your ankles, your knees, everything, because there's just no giving the ground. Because it, it was just built. It cut, it's like concrete was underneath of it, and then it was a very thin astroturf. And it was, it was like a very fine cut putting green. It was hardly anything on it at all. That's why when you, you, when you watched them, they put like, tons of sand on it to stop the bounce. Otherwise, it, it kept going eight foot every time the ball hit the ground.
0: <laughs> it's expensive in those days if, you, if you're losing balls at your stadium. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, there weren't that many around, were there, sometimes?
2: <laughs> Trying to play this ball out of trouble. Chester Villeneuve, a beautiful ball to Waller. Shoot! Yeah! Chesterfield take the lead in the 35th minute. Head by Todd, picked up by Morris out to his right to Ealy. Cutting inside. push the ball out to Lee Rogers. Cross coming in. Go is Morris!
0: I spoke to Andy Morris uh, well, a month or so ago on the podcast and I asked him who he liked playing with most throughout his mm-hmm. career. So obviously, he was at Chesterfield for years and years and years. Um, and he said, although uh, you were, he didn't play with you as much as he played with other players, he was the guy that you liked playing with most. So I was wondering what, how that partnership worked up front with you two.
1: It worked very well because, obviously, Andy being as tall as he was, Frightened their defenders straight away. So really, every time the ball was going anywhere, there was more panics about where he was going than where I was going. But we had a good understanding where if I went short and it went over me to him, he'd hold it up and then lay it off. Or if I flicked the ball on to him, or vice versa. But yeah, we didn't... It would have been better, I think, if we'd, have, if we'd have played longer together. We only had... We played, I'd say, 30, maybe 40 games together. But when you look over the seasons, really, it's not a lot of games. But we had a good understanding. We knew where each other was going to be or where where the other one was. And if you're running down the line and there's only one place you can flick it, the other person would know that's where you're going to put it. So you'd, you'd be able to get there before anybody else. Mm. And it, it, was, it was good. It just, to me, it could have been a lot better if he'd have used a bit more of his... Because he's not an aggressive bloke. He's a, he's a very laid-back bloke. But if he, if he could have channeled his aggression into winning his headers fairly, but crunching the centre-halves, he'd have scored a lot, lot more goals. He did it against Cardiff at home when he, when he scored that trick, and he was unbelievable that night. And then when he went to article in a cup game, we lost 3-2, but he scored two brilliant goals on the back post, and he just flattened them. Boom, great headers. And if he could have done that more, he'd have been a good championship player, and he would have uh, scored a lot more goals. Yeah, but still, I see quite, a, I see him quite, quite a lot still, and he's, uh, there's no, there's no change in him, there's no, he's, not, he's just the same Andy Morris, and he doesn't, he never looks any bigger, he never looks any different <laughs> than when he was playing, <laughs> which is obviously good for him, but he's always been involved in football, which is good as well.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, a great guy, I couldn't agree more. Um, did you ever, did you ever tell him at the
1: time that that you thought he
0: should be a bit more?
1: Yeah, yeah. Many, many times we used to say to him, just get more aggressive, come into the far poles, just clatter into him because, all right, one time he might give a foul away, but the next time he does it, the centre-half, all the defenders thinking, oh, my God, he's going to come in now, and you score more goals because of the friing of me yeah. then. And that's just what he needed to work on a bit more because he had, for a massive blow as well, he had really good feet. He was really tippy-tappy on his, on his feet. He could dribble really well. So he was, uh, yeah, he was a good player. For say a bit more aggression in him, he would have been a better player.
0: Yeah. Did you going off going off on a tangent a bit? But did you did you um uh what were you doing on the semi final day of the FA Cup? Because he. I was, well, I
1: was at Old Trafford. Were you there? Yeah, I was right in line with a goal when he scored the goal that didn't count. And it was the only thing I think. Then if someone would have just said to the referee. Talk to the linesman because the ball had gone over the line on the first shot. But I think it was that there was that much excitement and hype and all this and the other. I think it just went and it really, because we, if we'd have scored that and it it'd been given, they'd have never got back in it. it would have, that would have been in the final. Yeah. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone to the final because I'd have preferred to watch it on the telly so you can hear it, have all the commentators and stuff like that. That's what you miss. So, obviously, I recorded it and watched it back when you and you you do you see more, obviously. But and you and the comments of the people on the radio and the you were, were fantastic, like so. Yeah, it would have been a, for the players involved, it would have been fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. And I was outside the um, which pub was it? The one, one of the pubs down Brampton, when they come back on the bus, and it was it was like being in Magaluf. There was that many people out on the street. Beer was swilling everywhere. Want to welcome home the other night, and then with about twenty minutes, we we're all in the pub with us. <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, second
0: season was ultimately disappointing. So the eighty-seven, eighty-eight season, because we got relegated. Yes. That season, um, but I mean, you had the big, the big feat then, didn't you, of scoring in the successive games.
1: Yes, uh, it was well. It was like a transition because obviously Kev Love had been sacked, Paul Hart had come in, so we'd bought different players with him. So it took him. It took him a little while to gel, and obviously we didn't. We didn't gel. We didn't gel quick enough. But now from the from the end of the season, we had a really good run. He just well, it seemed to get me chances. He just seemed to take it, and end up in the last well. In the last nine games, I scored nine goals, but obviously I didn't score in the last one because I scored two in one of the other ones. So, Which, I was barred off penalties. because I got barred off penalties the season before, but when we got a penalty in one game and we needed to win the game and no one attacked it, I just picked up and put it down and scored. And then I missed two penalties the season after, so I was barred off them again. And the last game of the season, first 10, 15 minutes, we got a penalty. And I didn't take it. But Paul Hart said to me after the game, you should have just picked it up and took it and then you'd have had the record on your own. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a bit like saying that now, isn't it? <laughs> so it's very difficult to, uh, yes. it was difficult to tack it. But, and I think scoring eight, eight on the trot, you're not just scoring eight goals on the trot at home, you're scoring them away from home as well, which is good. So, yeah, one of them was at, uh, against George Wood at Cardiff. He was playing goal for Cardiff at the time. But we had, a, we had a great midfielder at the time as well, Kevin Arnott. He was a superb midfield player. Obviously, his legs, his legs were going a bit when he was with us, but his quality of passing and his his vision was unbelievable. So it was really a pleasure playing with him. But yeah, the, the goals just seemed to uh, seemed to flow. We yeah. scored at Mansfield and we lost, but we lost three one, which obviously was disappointing for the fans was, that day. I
0: was, was going to say if I if I was going to challenge you and get you to name. All eight clubs that you scored against, could you do it? Well, it's
1: funny, I've got a programme here. I scored Swansea. Yeah, it's number one. Uh, Port Vale. Port Vale, yeah. Cardiff. Cardiff, yeah. Uh, Mansfield. Yeah. (laughs) And that's about as far as I can go, I think.
0: Yeah, Port Port Vale. So Swansea, so it went Swansea, Wigan, uh, Fulham. Port Vale, Blackpool, Chester, Cardiff,
1: Mansfield. Uh, Black Blackpool was a two away from home. That was yeah.
0: Does it when you're scoring in successive games and you and you, you get to like five successive games, six successive games? Does it does there start to become a little bit of pressure because you're scoring in consecutive games, or or is it the other way around and it gets a bit easier because you just scoring? no?
1: Because I never knew there was a record until I'd scored eight. No. <laughs> so there was there was never any pressure. Because no one had ever, no one had said, oh, because his name Jimmy Cookson, isn't 1909 or 1908 season. And he said, oh, yeah, you've equaled the record at the moment, eight goals in eight games. So, So, yeah, so really, if I'd have paid more notice, I probably would have took the ball off whoever was taking the penalty and put it in myself. But on that day as well, we needed to win that game to stand any chance of staying in the division, which, so obviously if I'd have missed the penalty, it would have been worse. Yeah. Well, especially for me. (laughs)
0: I was saying if, if we had if we had Twitter and Phil Tooley back then I think you'd have known before oh god yeah
1: <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr Tooley knows yeah. well he doesn't know nothing about nothing does he really Every any question you ask him he knows exactly yeah it's fantastic so
0: so obviously it's it's the kind of the, the good and the bad isn't it when you get to an end of a season like that and you, you score that many goals successfully, then but then ultimately you get you get relegated don't you and in those First two seasons, considering you scored what 19 league goals and then 18 league goals, ultimately disappointing that you weren't in a much more successful team higher up the league, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was really. But when you, if you, I just looked at, there's a, there was a thing in the program I just looked at, and a lad from South End had scored 26 league goals, and they were only a place a bit above us. So and then there was people third and fourth who'd only their top score was seven and six. So you, I know it would have been lovely to be in a successful ta- side and win things, but um, I think scoring goals, when no matter who you are, when you look at people like Shearer, Sheringham, and all them people, Andy Cole, once they're in front of goal, they've only got one thing on the mind, and it's putting the ball in the net. And I never, I never lost sleep. When I miss sitters. Never even even thought, let give it a second thought. But when I scored goals, I lay awake for hours thinking, Well, why was it there? Why did I put it there? Why was that? And it's very it's a strange feeling because you want to make yourself better, but when you keep scoring, you you just keep thinking, Well, why? And and then when you miss him, you don't even worry about it. You think, well, I'll get another chance, another one will come along. When you're the centre four, that's all you think about. The next one, you've got to take the next one. When you're Only when you're on the pitch, though. Yeah. And and you were really
0: consistent throughout your career, scoring goals. Is, is there any secret to that?
1: No, I don't think, no. I um, I used to score quite a few from back passes when the goalie could pick it up. And then, obviously, when they changed the rule, I thought, oh, that might... But they still tried to pass it back to the keeper, so you still nip in. Um, I think it was just... I kept myself moving when I was in the box as well because if you're moving and the ball's coming to you it's easy to think about if you're just filling your toes like your centre arse then it's 50-50 you're gonna get there first. But if you're moving it's, it's like 85-15 that like you're going to get there before anybody else Yeah. so it was just uh, I got a knack even in training I scored goal after, even five a side I just scored goal after goal after goal because that's all that's all I did I didn't in five aside played in netball goal uh, hockey goals <laughs> Even though you still had a goalie, but the balls used to find left, right, and centre. Yeah. It just some If you enjoy doing, you just
0: want to do it more. The season after the match, everyone wants to talk about is is Halifax um, because of that goal. Hmm. Was that well? I suppose the good way to start it is just describe that that game and what happened, and, and your winning goal that match.
1: Well, it was one of the. It was a. Windy, rainy night against Halifax. Kev Arnott scored a fantastic free kick to put us 1-0 up. And then we just shot ourselves in the foot. We were, it was like the defence had never played together before. They could have been 6-1 up at half-time with that. There was one lad clean through. and All I had to do was square it. And he went on his own and missed it. Put it in the side netting. Um, we got a bit of a roasting at half-time. But he kept saying just, when you get your chances, take your chances. I scored off a corner, uh, flick on and got in the back post and scored. And then we got, we got a penalty that was never a penalty. I don't, and everyone was like, the ref blew up me, they were all goal-kicking, pointing to the spot. So we bring them equalised.
2: Again, the header from Bramall has one. so many headers tonight. Ryan holds it. White to Hewitt, sweeps it wide to Waller. Can he keep it in? Does superbly. Oh, magnificent play by Dave Waller. He tries to curl the goalkeeper no! Oh, you dream about Finishes like that to a match You dream about goals like that Poor Halifax town they murdered Chesterfield In the first half Murdered them, 3-1 up And Dave Wallace scored an unbelievable goal Unbelievable goal And it's pulled some miracle Out of the fire for Chesterfield Absolutely unbelievable shot With his right foot and it's
1: Chesterfield 4, Halifax Town 3. And then the goal come about, John Ryan and it's a shot, and his was more in the top corner than mine was, by a good five, six, probably five, no, about four foot. And the goalie made a hell of a save. And he went for a corner, and after the following corner, when they handed it out, he went to Jamie, who I did shout, and he passed it wide and he had to slide to keep it in and then went past the players. I didn't hit it as well as I wanted to do because I didn't get it high enough. And I thought he'd save it, but he didn't. He's complete. I don't know. I don't know. I think he was. Thought he was either. He was trying to push it around the bar. And he completely. He completely. You can tell by the look of the centre half. I think he's played for Chesterfield, John. I don't think. I can't think what his second name was. And he was distraught because he knew the guy thought. When you, and I watch it now on the video, and it, it still looks a great goal. But I always think he definitely, definitely should have saved it. And John Ryan said to me, he says, "I put it in the top corner, you put it halfway up the goal, and he misses it." But <laughs> <laughs> well, that guy was out, out of jail that year. Uh, but we had a we had a great team. We had like Carlin Puller, Bring Gunn, John Ryan, Nigel Art Tony Bryan. Mick Leonard in goal, and we had some really, really good players. AD Shaw was an Unsung hero, Bob Bloomer. We that season, or the season before, I think he went, we went to beat when Bob Bloomer left. We the midfield and because he used to punish teams, used to they never had five minutes on the ball when he was out, Bob. And he was he was another underrated player, Bob Bloomer. He was a fantastic player, great engine. He used to remember the um, tough of the track the uh, Roy the Rovers comic but he was, he was he tackled everything that moved and it was just he left and the midfield he took a long time to get back to know and obviously AD Shaw came in for him he was another good player but we went to Southampton, and beat them 2-0 down there and we went third in the league And then, but we never won then until the last game of the season and it, that was because we should have gone straight up that year um, I don't know, summer, summer obviously went pear-shaped. We stopped winning games. People must have been low on confidence. And then we were lucky because the second to last game, we are playing school football I get I got up about ten quarter past ten, picked, got the dog out. We went for a walk to the shop, got paper, stepped down the kerb and pulled the... Pulled the nervous something in my back and I couldn't move so I had to I've let the dog off lead over the road, I had to get him back, I'd struggled back home, spoke to the physio, Dave Rushbury. He said, just get him hot bath, I'll be up in a minute. He took me to the doctors and the doctor said, Yeah. He says you've got a uh, spasm in your back, it'll be all right in two days. So what about tonight? He says has got no chance. So I didn't I did play against Skull when Steve um Stevie Roy played up front. He scored that night in the one one draw and then we beat Grimsby 2-0 on the Saturday. And that 2-0 win just got us On goal difference above Carlisle to get in the seventh place, so we were lucky in the end, but we should have gone up with either second or third place that season.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah, and like that's obviously that season we ended up going to a uh, going to the final, didn't we? Yeah. Um, Against Cambridge, were you? And like you said, you'd missed that game, and you were a substitute, weren't you, for the
1: play a final. I played it, I played the, the last game, to me, but that's when he injured that's when he injured my knee.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, I, I was sub at home. Didn't come on, which I thought was good. Because it weren't right. And then I came on for 15 minutes at Stockport. Um but Paul had said we went to Hartlepool. We I'd been out for I don't know six weeks I think I pulled my hamstring at with House jumping off logs. Jumping off logs and chats with us. I said, let's go in now. And Chris Murray said, look, one more run, we'll just jump off these logs. And I jumped off and me hamstring went. And, uh, and he said, then um, we went to Artville, we lost 3 1, I scored after eight minutes. And he said he'd never change a winning team. So obviously, when they won at Stockport, he kept the same t- team at Wembley. But then, just like when he said I should have took the penalty, he said, I should have played, he should have played me. <laughs> he apologised, but he said, look, you can't. You make your decisions, you can't decide afterwards that you, you've made their own decision, you stick by what you've done, and it was just unfortunate. Yeah, but that was when you're a kid, you want to play at Wembley, it's the only time you see it on the Tally FA Cup. And uh, I did not get to play at Wembley, so at least uh, it was a bit of a bonus.
0: Yeah, were you carrying that injury going into the Wembley match then?
1: Yes, yeah, but the, the strange thing was during the summer. Didn't have any problems with it. I did loads of running. I was up around, I lived quite near Lincoln Woods and around the reservoirs and I was around them regular. I trained a train, first three weeks, no problem. Everything was fine. And then we went to Chef Wednesday and the just coming out of the ball, dropped his shoulder and I put my foot down and boom, it went again. So then after that, I went to, I spent about five or six weeks at Lally Shore. And then the, uh, the bloke the comes to us on Monday morning, he says to us, right, you get past me, you can go back and play. And he had 10 cones in the line. And I when I got to the tenth, then I snapped my foot down to so push back off. I snapped my cruise ship and my lateral and fractured my kneecap all in one go. Like agony. Was, I've never felt it. It was like a rod of iron going up with your kneecap. So and then I had to wait, that was on the Monday, so I couldn't drive back. I had to wait till Friday to go back. And then I had to wait. That was in the September. I had to wait for, till the October for the operation. Yeah. But he never recovered. As I would, have. I could never bend my leg fully after that. So it was, it was a no go.
0: Yeah. If we just go back to, back to Wembley for a minute, like what was just that whole experience like?
1: Must have oh. been. Well, we went early on the uh, on the Friday, and then the the, the following day. There was another bus for all the, all the wives and girlfriends and we got to where we were staying at uh, Bishop Abbey. We had, a, we had a good night and then driving up to Wembley and the coach and all the fans and all the flags flying and it's great because you just drive in. You don't, <laughs> you don't get out outside like everywhere else. You're in and the doors are shut. Yeah. But walking into the change rooms and obviously it's all been demolished now because they've got the new one but I should imagine that changing rooms are very similar. Massive changing rooms, going onto the pitch, looking at the crowd. I was a bit disappointed in the pitch because it was very, very firm. Very firm. And plus it was about 80 degrees inside Wembley itself that day. It was absolutely roasting. But yeah, it was a, it was, the fans were fantastic. It was a great day. It was just a not uh, we couldn't get the win.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it is ultimately you want to go to Wembley and win, don't you? But you can, I suppose you can look back uh, after a while, after you kind of, and maybe in some ways you never quite get over losing at Wembley, but I imagine there's, there's a, a big part of you that can look back on it with massive fondness and it's a great experience.
1: Oh yeah, without a doubt, great experience, but all the, all the lads he, like, I, obviously I was disappointed that I weren't starting, but, there was disappointment for the players who weren't even in the squad, because, mm. everyone was fit, and we had about, what, 18, 19 players and it was, only one summer in them days. And there was seven or eight players not even involved. And it must have been disappointing for them as well. Obviously, at least I did, I did manage to get on the pitch that day. But for the fans to go there for the first time as well was was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I would say it was just, it's just a shame. We had a really good night in the hotel that night, even though we'd lost. We had a really good night in there with everybody. Few, I think a few fans got in as well into the into the rooms we were in but we had a we had a great night. Calvin was on karaoke all night singing. All his <laughs> songs it was it was really we had a really good night. But then obviously reality check then when you're coming back back down the road after you've lost it's obviously not good. Not as good as it could have been.
0: Yeah. I when I spoke to Lee Rogers I asked him if he could still watch Holmes under the hammer and, and see Dion Buddha's face <laughs> and he can. So <laughs> switch you off and he's on. It's always an acid test of if you can still watch hands under the hammer or not. Yeah, um, yeah, and then and then you kind of touched upon that injury. So, I mean, you'd scored. I mean, in 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 three seasons, you'd scored what nineteen and then eighteen and then sixteen league goals. That and I think yeah. So it, it, it all in all, it was
1: like yeah, because I take it the other way. I scored 22 22 and eighteen. Yeah with the cup goals, uh, I scored, that was, obviously the last one, but, that was 135 goals altogether, because I scored my 100th goal, down at Exeter, where I was at Chesterfield, and got a, nice, uh, hundred club tie off, uh, Norton League, which was very nice, um, so yeah, it was, I think, that season, when I scored 18, we were a better team, and yet, we struggled, but we had more players scoring more goals. Because Andy scored so many that season, I don't know how I many. Calvin Plummer scored double figures, so we had some. We had, we scored a lot of goals, but we struggled to get to where we wanted to be. And and but the team was from when I first went. The team was like ten times better, ten times better. But some of I would say some of had better qualities, but. The people who didn't have the quality when, when I first went uh, had the battling instincts and the will to do better and win the ball. So you need a mixture of people who can play and obviously people who want to battle. And that's why I think we lost our way when we lost Bob Bloomer. Mm. Without a doubt. Yeah, and, and, and I think you were like, what were you, like
0: 27 when you had the injury, something like yeah, I was 26 and then I retired at 27, yeah. Like, how, how hard is it to take something like that when you've still got a lot of years, in, in theory? You know, I mean, you look at it and if you'd have stayed at Chesterfield for another five, seven, eight years, something like that, you'd have been, you'd have been well over oh. 100 goals, wouldn't you? Yeah,
1: yeah, I would have done. I, it was, I think, because I worked on a farm before I started playing football, I think if it had just been an apprentice, and just that would all all anew. I think it would have been a lot harder, mm. a lot harder. Yeah. But um, I had a good family behind me, and obviously I had a good wife behind me as well. But it was, yeah. it was, it, it was difficult to find out what you were going to do because mm. you you don't get much. I didn't get much conversation, but you think, well, I've got that, but. You can't go spending it left, right, and centre because you don't know what you're gonna be doing in six months' time. And uh, Nigel Hart, who I who were playing with the crew and I played with the, at Chesterfield, he had a lampshade business. So for, I thought I'll just keep myself busy and just do that for a while and see how, how it goes. But it went it went swimmingly, it went really well. It was a it was making me a good living. But then all the pits, all the pits started shutting and people who were buying weren't obviously that weren't them buying. So it was made it difficult. And when I first came, when I first started with Chesterfield, uh, Bob Pepper put me in digs in Askey Avenue with a family named the cats and Ray had started his own business in the, in the weighing industry. And I got a job with him and I'm still there now. It's been nearly 30 years. I've been working for him now. So it's, Do you pack in here and go back to where I come from in Winsford, Cheshire? Or do I stay where more people know because I've only just finished and settled down? So I stayed, got the job here and stayed here. So it works out well.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and you were on the the market, weren't you,
0: for a while with the, was that with the Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? I didn't want to do Chesterfield market. So I was doing every other market by Chesterfield and I kept thinking, and then eventually, I came to Chesterfield and it was like like 10 times better than anywhere else. <laughs> I wish I'd have done it about 12 months before, but I didn't. But yeah, it was it was the people on the, some fantastic people on the market, really nice people. It was obviously been there for years and years. And they all take you in and they all talk to you and help you out and do tell you what you need to do in this area. But yeah, it was a really good time. It was a really nice time. Yeah. So it was... Uh,
0: Did you have ever- a... Did you ever autograph any lampshades? No. <laughs> Did you buy no. one and ask for an autograph on it? I have,
1: uh, no, I had Tony Bryan on there one day, helping me. <laughs> he only stayed one day. <laughs> he wasn't a very good salesman.
2: <laughs> Quite a useful club size crowd in this afternoon for this, as Jamie Hewitt prepares to take I think his first corner this afternoon from this side. In it comes. Looks dangerous, oh, but nearly felt it. N- Nigel Hart, header from Plumber. Up goes Bryan. Force the wallet. Brilliant goal, brilliant goal. He looks around for options. Yes, it's Plummer, but Ryan. Oh, it's a Morris, could be dangerous for Torquay. And he's just pushed it too far. Oh, but the keeper's made a mistake. Waller, and it's a goal. Three, one. Still time for a fifth. What a four, two, Morris. First time ball from Hewitt, up goes Waller. This could be it. This gives a chance to Ryan. Ryan, five, one. John
0: Ryan's first goal for Chesterfield, and didn't it look nice? And, and you ended up um, uh, kind of doing a bit of quite a bit of non-league as well, didn't you?
1: Yeah, because uh, obviously Peter Morris, who was at catcher who took me there, he was my manager at crew, uh, and Andy was at um, Andy was his sister manager, mm-hmm. Andy Moss. So. I went there, I had the best FA Cup run I'd ever had. We got through to, I can't think it was the fourth or the fifth round, and we lost at Blackburn Rovers. Kenny Dalbeefs was the manager. They had Shearer up front, Tim Sherwood in the middle, Flowers in goal, Colin Hendry at the back, they had a fantastic team. I think we lost, I think we lost 3-1, I think, or 3-0. But Warren, that was a really good day because it was a full house. and then I stayed there till the end of the season, and then I went to play manager at Glackwell. Just on the way to Mansfield, uh, two years as assistant manager, player coach, and one year as manager. We did uh, we won the league and cup double, the Central Midlands League, which was which was good, and it was good for because it was only a little club. It not there was nothing massive about it. It was just the other little committee. It was a lovely family-run club, and it's just a couple of friends I know now have just started back up again and got back in the league, so I'll be paying a few visits up there next season. Um, and then I went to Matlock town under Imre Verardi, but he never played me. Well, I don't know why, so I just went to see him one day. I said, look, I'm leaving, I'm going. And then uh, went back to Winsford United, where I played when I was 14 at school in Winsford. I played them on the Cheshire Senior Cup, with them, which, was, uh, which was, well, i say I was only 15 at the time. But yeah, it was really good, so I went back there. And then from there, I went to Congleton Town. And then I think I'd be about 36, I think, when I played my last game. And hung my boots eventually.
0: So, so you now watch a fair bit of, of Chesterfield, don't you?
1: I do. I work, up, so I work upstairs on the mic. Or I did do. I don't know if it'll be carrying on with all the pandemic and everything that's gone on. Yeah, I've done, a, I've done two seasons up there. So it's, it's now I watch the game, talk to the people who come in and have a meal and run a quiz with Deborah, and then I would say when whoever gets mad at the match I'll chat with them after the game and do a presentation. So yeah, now I can obviously stand upstairs. I don't go out very much. I just stand up in the window and watch the games. Mainly because it's really freezing when you go outside. <laughs> obviously you don't take a coat. I have to, you have to wear a shirt and tie again.
0: If, if looking at a, a James Rowe team uh, like you and your prime, do you think you'd fit into his team?
1: I think yeah, I think so. The way the way he plays, but I would, I would, I'd like someone up front definitely. You'd want Tom Denton next to year. <laughs> Tom Denton or Andy Morris? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone take a bit of pressure off you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and like last couple of questions. So I wondered if there was any games from your career or any moments in your career that that stand out for you, that we've not mentioned?
1: Uh, yeah, Sunderland away. When they were, they, they had a full house crowd of thousand. They were top of the league. We were probably fifth from bottom, I think we were. I scored two that night. Pity the words at the Roker end, but they were at the other end. Um, and the, the first one I scored, I ran to where our fans were, and there's only a few in there, because all the something wrong with the trains. And the referee says, Christ, do us a favor. He says, if you score again, don't go over to your fans. You're going to cause well, right. riot." Anyway, five minutes later, I scored again and did exactly the same thing. I so said, the and said, you can't stop you. You can't stop you celebrating with your fans, surely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up losing that game 3-2. Three, three, but it was a great night, that was. It was a funny night, that was, because on the way back, Northern League gave me £40 and said, get all the players some tea in the motorway cap on the way back. So I said to the woman, I said, that's £40. Pound. I says, when it's gone, it's gone. So you don't to anyone else. And we didn't, we just, we're getting sandwich and chips and things. And anyway, it ran out by about three to go. And when I got back on the bus, he goes, have you got me change? <laughs> <laughs> I give him his change in about three, and give him his receipt. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Lee. Oh dear, he was, he was funny.
0: I mean, it's great that we've got so much footage of uh, old matches and things on on YouTube, so we can yeah. revisit them. Because I was watching that Halifax game earlier on, and you know it's 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 just brilliant. And and one thing I wanted to ask is when when Akwasi Asante scored that goal against Barney,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, where he kind of did something similar to you in in terms of saving it from going out and 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 kind of curling it in. All right, he was a bit closer to goal, um. Did you, when you saw that goal, did you automatically think oh, that's a bit like mine versus Halifax?
1: Yeah, because thing as soon as he did that, it went all over Twitter again. And you've been mentioning this so you click on it and the goal comes straight up. So you think, no, yeah, it does. But I'd like, I'd, I would like one of the centre forwards to eliminate the uh, eight consecutive goals. I'd like someone to go and get nine consecutive goals because I think if, if one of them can eclipse that and do that, then I think Chesterfield will get promoted. But I think they've got to have a great start, because if they don't have a good start, it's like you're just fighting your way through all the, through the season. If you have a good start and you're in the top two or three all season, things you get more things go for you than against you, because when you're at the bottom, everything goes against you, as you find out during the years. But the better you play, and the, the higher up the league you are, the more... More things going for you, more refereeing decisions going for you, and he, and the fans. The fans always get behind you. The fans at Chesfield are absolutely fantastic. When you, especially when you, you know, you don't hear them as much when you're at home, but when you go away from home, because you get all the hardcore, all the singers, and the the atmosphere wherever you go with them, or wherever I went with them, they were just absolutely fantastic. Really, just and then you because I played for Crew and Crew never had many travellers away true, we never had many travellers away. You're like home teams, they were, really. But the amount of fans that travel away with Chesterfield, and the better they do, the more they get. Yeah. yeah. And the trouble is, the more they get, the, the clubs they go to, we play against, they can't fit them in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> again, the header from Bramwell has made one so many headers tonight. Ryan holds it. White to Hewitt, sweeps it wide to Waller. Can he keep it in? Does superbly. Oh, magnificent play by Dave Waller. And he tries to kill the goalkeeper. No! Oh you dream about finishes like that to a match. You dream about goals like that.